0: What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT365. And as always, I just want to say shout out and I appreciate you for listening. I know this is a daily podcast and that's a lot of me, but excited to bring you not only hopefully educational content, but inspirational and motivational and, you know, kind of take us all on this journey of, uh, you know, this NFT, blockchain, DeFi, cryptocurrency world. And, you know, for today's episode, you know, one of the things I've been wrestling with uh, and just being very transparent is that a lot of the questions I get are kind of in that blurred line of, Brian, I want to understand this as a collector. At the same time, I want to understand how to make this happen as a project founder. And so you might be an artist, you might be a business coach, you might be a uh, a leader in, you know, your, your own industry. And you're curious, like, if I have a book, how does this work? And so you know, one of the things that I've been trying to wrap my head around is like, you know, where these intersections are. And I I will say, one of the big intersections is definitely with the idea of NFT marketing, right? And the idea where we have to understand the marketing that exists today, if we're collectors and investors, right? Because we need to understand what all of these moving parts are, so that we can even just, you know, in a way, be able to, uh, compare apples to apples in some cases, right? And I think that's a hard thing to do because not, no, you know, two NFT projects uh, are considered the same, in my opinion, right? Even if they're uh, on the same blockchain with the same, uh, you know, style of utility, right? The the artist might be different. The, um, you know, the style of engagement, roadmap, all of those things. and But I, I really, the more I broke down this episode the war i broke down you know and this is one that i've been working on for a, a little while now because uh, i wanted to incorporate some video components i want to you know really use some examples so i'm gonna jump right into um this episode and really you know part of it uh you know that i really want to kind of focus on is what we need to know as collectors or investors in nfts when it comes to marketing and at the same time what we need to know or do as an NFT project team, right? And I, of course, we launched uh, our NFTs here for this uh, podcast uh, back on December 12th, 1212, 21. Uh, I'm very proud to say that we have sold out of our founders uh, NFTs, uh, which were our $5,000. Uh, you know, limited to 22 of those, uh, and we have a couple. Uh, you know, we have a, a little bit. You know, more than a hundred left of our super fans uh, NFTs. So, if you want to check those out, uh, make sure you do so. And you know, this idea of marketing and, and you know, really, what is that new creator? Uh, I really want to jump. You know, first of all, to our our sponsor, but it's because it just makes so much sense to set this up at the beginning, right? The sponsor of the podcast, the sponsor of what we're doing right now is CEX CX Events, which is the Creator Economy uh, Expo. That And the first event is happening May 2nd in Phoenix, Arizona. But this is really kind of goes into this bigger conversation of You know, we all are creators, creators of, you know, of actual, you know, products and services, creators of experiences, creators of art or, you know, deliver, you know, a delivery of different, you know, aspects. And I, for one, you know, if you would have told me two years ago, three years ago that I, you know, Brian, are you a creator? I would say, no, I have no artistic talent. I can't sing. I can't dance. You know, uh, I, I, I kind of questioned my own kind of creator aspect right but then when someone would fire back and say Brian you've been creating live video streams since 2014 you've hosted five podcasts you did interview shows Brian you create experiences on stages you create experiences in the social media realm with you know the content i create and You know, I kind of have now kind of understood that. And I think one of the beauties of being a creator in this new creator economy is that we can be inspired and motivated and find our own little, you know, niche or swim lane for whatever we want in this creator world. So definitely check out the creator. Economy Expo I will be there um, in Phoenix Arizona on May 2nd and you can use code NFT365 to get $200 off make sure you guys jump in there and uh get you know one of those uh, NFTs they have a VIP uh access uh NFT which gives you you know it's their unlimited uh, never ending uh tickets and there's only you know a few of them uh available left so make sure you check that out at mint.cex.events and so that kind of plays nicely into the conversation that I want to have now and really this idea of, you know, where we were and where we're going, right? And I, I just want to put this out there that the NFT world of 2021 is, no, is not the same as the NFT world of 2022, and I actually, you know, one of the tweets I found was actually from uh, February, uh, where I discovered, you know, this blog post. And I'm just definitely going to give a shout out to uh, 137 p.m. Uh, that a great team over there. I know Wiener Media is, is you know, the parent child over there, and uh, they had a blog post that was like, you know, WTF, you know, our NFTs, right? The guide to understanding NFTs, and that's where the light bulb went on for me, right? I had understood. Blockchain since 2014. I understood cryptocurrency since 2017, but I didn't really dabble in crypto because I didn't look at myself as a finance person or economy-driven person. But it was it was this idea of wait a second. NFTs are much more than just a currency exchange, and they leverage all aspects, or not all, but a lot of different aspects uh, of the blockchain itself. And so to me, that was kind of like my aha moment into uh, this arena and this space. But with that being said, that what had worked and what, you know, existed in 2021 versus what existing and what's working in 2022 is drastically different. For the most part, a lot of the projects that launched last year they really just had to make sure that they had art you know if their art was appealing to the their audience they would focus on community they would use the word utility in some in some cases they knew what that meant other cases they were kind of throwing that out there and then they would put their team on display. And really they would just drop your NFT and and in the summertime you could drop it and pretty much sell out your collection without much effort. Uh, and that's not a knock, it's just knowing the times. You know, and then we went into the fall, and a lot of the projects in the fall started to evolve, you know, the roadmaps and their functionality, and we started to see, you know, the emergence on other blockchains. You know, and then we entered November, December timeframe where all of a sudden you know, there was an element of when you onboard more people that are not crypto native, the the money exchange, the dollars, started to be recognized as a lot, right? Which, which it should have been the whole time. But let's face it: if you're sitting with a bag of ETH and something is point five Ethereum, you're like, "Oh, okay, it's point five Ethereum." But if you're new to the space and I'm going to tell you that you need to spend a thousand forty nine dollars on this project, you're like. I haven't paid $1,049 for a service or a product online in years. Like, what am I getting for this? What does all that go together? And so the idea of like what needed to be marketed or put out to the world in the summer and in the fall, you know, started to change. And then I will say right now in 2022, this is definitely changing in kind of what we as collectors, investors are demanding, but also what the the projects that are setting the bar are willing to uh, put out there. And I will say, it's actually funny enough that it's not actually new projects in 2022 that are setting the bar. It's projects that were really strong in 2021, but didn't really stand out, didn't get the love that they should have but all of a sudden they rolled out all of these features and all of this like bigger picture stuff. And now they're starting to get the credit that they deserve. And, and part of it is like, it can't just be about the art. It must be about the artist as well. Right. And like, how did that kind of come together? What is, you know, some of the things there, you know, storytelling has never been more important. And I believe storytelling, which we're going to talk about in a minute um, is much different in this, metaverse online offline world than anything before. We now have to have utility and roadmap. We can't just be thinking, you know, roadmap in three months, but we have to thinking five years. Uh, it's no longer just about hey we need to put our team out there but we need to talk about our team's experience especially when it comes up to startup business managing a team all of these things that we now are knowing that if a if a founders are not experienced in those things the project is almost destined to fail and then of course like team and experiences and collaborations and then last but not least We need to start really positioning what this all experience looks like beyond just a a Discord channel or beyond just, uh, you know, the the current mediums where NFTs are kind of living. And so we're going to kind of tap into those different pieces here on this episode. But I also we're going to we're going to kind of set up a little bit on. The emotional marketing of, of this, and and the psychology around this NFT side, and I will say I have a couple uh, professionals in this space um, that I've reached out to uh, to come on the podcast, and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, like my my north star there would be uh, Adam Grant, uh, so if anyone has any connections with Adam, I would love to have Adam uh, on the podcast. One of my favorites. Uh, thought leaders when it comes to uh, psychology and understanding, you know, user behavior and understanding a lot of the, uh, the you know, the human, let's uh, be- say, the human psychology of things that are going on. But we also have to think about emotional marketing with the role of like influencers and celebrity endorsements. And I'm gonna give a couple examples of like the different types of that in today's kind of uh, you know NFT world that we're playing in. So that first, and then the last part here that I wanted to kind of get in before I break each of these down is we also have to think about experience marketing, right? And experience marketing to me is where all of this is coming together, right? The, if, we, if we say that an NFT is much more than the art, but we also say that, the utility behind an NFT must start with the art. And then we we also kind of add to this that an NFT can go beyond online to establish offline things. Let's just face it, this all comes into... What is the experience as a whole that we are now marketing? And I and I will tell you, you know, I'm, you know, I've shared on on the podcast, the the first project that I signed on to um, as more than just kind of a you know advisor is uh, the Meta Athletes project. And Meta Athletes, uh, you know, from an all encompassing you know perspective, is really designed as an experience, right? It's it's more than just being close to your favorite athlete, it's more than being a part of a, a platform that is really creating an incubator for, for for other NFT projects. But really, it's about this meta mind experience that we're creating with our project, and the fact that we have coaches coming in that are going to be able to coach those that are holding uh, the NFT passes. You know, IRL events, online events, and there's all of this kind of all building into. Creating this like you know amazing experience and, and that's kind of where we focus on with Meta Athletes and this Meta Mind concept uh, and of course I'll kind of share more of that uh, in upcoming episodes as we get closer uh, to the launch of Meta Athletes and I will say you might be asking like Brian where does like the your, my experience come from and I and I've said this before like I don't believe I, I am a master guru of NFTs right I have not sold out an NFT ten thousand uh, PFP collection. But I do believe I am at the very top of this game for the amount of hours and research and studying that I've done as well as executing, right? I've launched three of my own NFTs for the support of this project. I've bought an NFT every single day now for 80 plus days. I've studied the idea of flipping the idea of investing. I've had, you know, NFTs that I've been staking NFTs that are straight art versus NFTs that are gamified and have tokenomics below that, you know, underneath them. And I really think for me, the reason that I'm so excited about this space is that, it is the intersection of my entire background. My entire life's work has kind of culminated in what we're doing right now. And I will say some of the lessons I'm going to share in this marketing are things that I made mistakes on and things that I learned even in marketing this podcast and then marketing my ADHD coin uh, over on Rally that I launched you know, May, March of April of last year, but it took me until August Before I started to wrap my head around what I needed to do as as marketing this. And that that, that's a little frustrating because I look at my, you know, I do a lot in the marketing space. I get to speak on stages around the world. And I also will share, this also comes into my speaker brand. Because I was told early on in my career as a speaker back in 2016 that if I didn't write a book, if I wasn't the CEO of a company, if I if I wasn't the one that was going to hook my my name or self to an individual niche, I would never make $10,000 a keynote. I would never be on the big stages. And I don't know about you guys, but um, or you friends, sorry, not you guys, you friends. Um, but I, uh, when someone tells me I can't do something or they question me on what I'm doing or how I'm doing something... Uh, I, without question, will push back on that. I love to prove people wrong, right? And I, you know, I not only started to make ten thousand dollars a keynote, and it's not about the dollars part, but you know, now demanding fifteen thousand dollars per keynote and getting able to speak around the world in seventy six countries in some of the largest events in the world, from South by Southwest to Mobile World Congress to speaking IBM, Dell, Samsung, SAP, uh, all of these, you know, MGM, all of these different brands that I've been able to to speak on their stages. But I will say, when you are an early adopter, or you're doing things the way that most people aren't, there's some lessons there. And there's some things that I've done wrong. And there's some things I've done right. And I, and I really want to kind of dive into that. And so we're going to start kind of with this emerging, you know, we have to start with the art, right? The art and the artist and the origin story. And I think for a lot of great projects right now that we're seeing emerge, they really understand that it's not just about saying you have a great artist but we need the artist's story and understanding who they are along with that art right and i you know and i think part of that is because you know art is you know it's in the eye of the beholder while at the same time if a story connects then the art will actually even, it'll either amplify that or play secondary in some cases, right? And I will tell you, like the, the one of the examples that I shared the other day was uh, the Girlies NFT. Girlies NFT, when I found out that it was a, a dad-daughter partnership and the daughter a 14-year-old um, is the one that uh, created the art and their mission and the social good components, I was a fan before I even saw the art, and then when I saw the art and the detail and recognized that it's a 14-year-old that created this, and my oldest is 12 years old, and my, my daughters are very much into uh, creative and art of, uh, artistic expression, to me, that origin story really hit home to the point where I was ready to invest and collect before I even looked at the utility, the community, and the other aspects that were below hand. And I think that's an important aspect here where you know, the art can kind of feel a little bit copycat in this. Well, it's not even a little bit. It can be feel very copycat in this, you know, digital world that we're in right now. But I do believe if you understand that artist and that art and that original uh, and origin story, you can kind of go beyond those things. Right. And whenever I talk about projects like the X punks or fame ladies squad, which you're going to hear from uh board, Becky, uh, AKA Ashley on uh, the podcast, you know, the, the story the origin story of the art and the project itself in many cases stands on its own and then the other things end up being the icing on the on the on the cake and in some cases the art ends up being the icing on the cake and the utility in the community end up being the actual uh, cake. And that's a little, you know, I feel like Joe Burrow, if you guys are watching the NFL, uh, Joe Burrow from the Cincinnati Bengals, that's what he was kind of uh, explaining it in his uh, post-game uh, interview. And I, I mean, I hate the Bengals. I'm a Steelers fan, but mad respect to second-year quarterback uh, Joe Burrow, who just doesn't lose. And, uh, you know, I digress. So, We talk about, you know, art and artist and the marketing of that, right? I think that story has to be retold and told a lot. And real quick, just to kind of finish that note too, I understand a lot of artists don't want to feel, don't feel comfortable putting themselves out there on video or on um, audio. I, first of all, I'd like to say, I believe if you have a great host, which I pride myself on being when it comes to panels and interviews, that uh, we can make, I can make any artist, I can make any person feel comfortable and remove that kind of like insecurity or that imposter syndrome just through my own style. And I can tell you, I've worked with some of the biggest executives in the world that told me that they don't like interviews. And then after they've been able to sit down with me, they're like, Brian, that was so easy. It was so conversational. So I think part of it is helping artists kind of uh, understand the value of it, but also is if you have a great partner your ability to tell the artist's story and let them focus on their art is also something that can be a really big value add. I mentioned earlier the idea of storytelling off and on and even beyond the metaverse as a very important part of this conversation. You know, storytelling when it comes to today's world, you know, the a lot of storytelling, especially in marketing, ends up being, you know, like beginning, middle, and end. Or, um, you know, you have to have a a villain or a problem that's going to be solved. And then you have to solve the problem. You have to bring people along on the journey. But I actually think storytelling in this newfound, you know, metaverse world and web three is actually more difficult yet more important than ever before, because here's why it's more difficult. We really now are working with a quote unquote blank canvas, the idea, you know, we, I interviewed the team over there at Moons of Mars, right? And um, they, they're creating what they consider a new planet. And their entire story around their NFT project is about establishing this new planet and all the brands and components that go on there. And so when we're tapping into the imagination side of NFT storytelling, this is where it gets into things like you know the Steven Spielberg's of the world, and we also have to start to recognize that Steven Spielberg's of the world were working in in many cases in a controlled environment of of what that that movie or that TV show or that you know that entire uh, you know package or collection look like. And I think today we have to think about storytelling in all aspects, and it includes before launch, during launch, after launch. It also includes you know, the entire project itself, but also what is the bigger story you're telling as like the impact on the world? I think a lot of NFT projects today focus the storytelling, maybe on the project, maybe on the art, but they don't do a great job of telling the story of how did the project come together? Or even what is the overall, like, what does success look like when this five years from now on this project? And I I would challenge you, everyone that's out there, when you're looking into an NFT project as a collector, ask yourself like, A, do you believe this brand is going to be around a year from now, five years from now? Um, And then, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, how do you determine that? And then B, like, what would that look like? Right. And, and we, when we think about success, to me, it's not about the floor price. It's not about how much something is going to be. Rather, we have to look at success in this case, as in, like, what are all of the things and the people and the impact that have been made? And I think a lot of collections are thinking too small in that. They're not thinking big enough, especially in that you know 10,000 PFP collection. Like, what would what would 100,000 fans of that brand look like? What would a million fans of that brand look like? And that's something we really have to kind of dial in when it comes to storytelling. Now, marketing, when it comes down to utility and roadmap, and I'll also throw in technology, to me, this is one that... Weirdly enough, utility in the sense of like what are the things you're getting for holding this NFT, the roadmap as far as projected utility, like these are the things coming down the road, for whatever reason, they've been valued more so than the technology innovation that a project is focusing on. Now I'm going to give you a bold prediction at the very end of this episode around technology and around my thoughts on this, but I will say the marketing of your the utility and roadmap I believe has not been done very well leading up today right just because you have a great roadmap uh, you know graphic on your website or in your in your discord it's one of your channels as you know hey this is the roadmap of things we're working on I don't think it's good enough right I want to know like what are the benchmarks That you're going to be doing leading up to those different points, right? What are the roadblocks? What are the things that are possibly going to delay these things? What are the things that are going, that you're looking at that if this happens first, it might change how we're doing things, right? And I will also put that in the sense of, I think projects have to plan to not mint out right away. So like putting things in the roadmap that say, you know, if we don't mint out, when we hit 50% of our mints, we're going to do this, right? And then the other of this is if we do mint out, these are the things that we can even increase, you know, speed up in our timeline, and then these are also the things that we're going to factor in. Uh, I I do get a little worried on projects that are skipping to like almost phase two, and I know we've all seen these projects, right? Where all of a sudden they launch their first collection, and it, maybe it's not as successful as they want, and they launch it, you know, they they keep kind of you know kind of figuring out how to like rebrand that, rebrand that, and then all of a sudden they're on to the next thing. And you you kind of get this feeling of like wait did they just leave us hanging on the first thing? And in their mind, I think most projects are not trying to leave you hanging. They're excited about what's next or even taking another shot at, at, at launching something. While at the same time, let's be real like if you if you lose that trust with those first initial people that you are uh, you know launching your project with, I believe that could screw you from there forward. And it's even why I haven't launched a ten k PFP project. Uh, myself yet, right? And I've said we're going to launch that this spring. And part of that is because I wanted to make sure that I was going to over deliver and execute on the super fans and the founders NFTs that we delivered. Uh, we launched in December, but I also wanted to take all of those lessons and I wanted to be prepared that what I launch in the spring will be the thing that will be my commitment and the and the company and project that it will be what I focus on for the next five years. And for me, that's a big undertaking, right? One of the, you know, even like the team and the way that we're strategizing this, I'm thinking much larger and much longer term than I think what most projects are thinking about when it comes to utility, roadmap, and technology as well. Now, I did mention utility, and one of the things that I've been soapboxing a lot lately is the idea of like utility now versus planned utility versus projected utility versus let's just call it dreaming utility. And what I mean by that is, it's very easy for us to talk about what, like, what are we dreaming will happen with this collection. But the question we have to start to ask ourselves as founders and as collectors is what is the proof that we can provide that allows people to actually believe that we can execute on what we are, are claiming that we can do? Because there are a lot of projects that I've invested in and, and have in my wallet for four months that whenever they launched, they said in the first 60 days, they would do this, this, and this. And we are four months in and they have not done any of those things. And I'm not bitter because when I saw it on the roadmap, I didn't believe they were going to be able to execute it in the first 60 days anyhow. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to get my you know hopes up. And, you know, especially because most NFT collectors are massively impatient, right? Which, which we have to remember that in marketing, right? If our audience is impatient, how do we, Let them know that we're listening to them and giving them enough information to bring them on the journey, but not to mismanage expectations to where we're constantly disappointing. And every time we push something back, people feel as though they're being misled or that we can't execute. And so that's why like this part, like this idea of, you know, I would challenge every project. If you're thinking about launching a project, think about this idea of like, what is the thing that people can get as utility right away? What are the things that you know that the plan has already been set and you're putting in the motion the utility that is going to be coming very soon? What is a projected utility down the road where you know that you need to get these other things in motion that you can execute on. And then I'm all for adding up their like, dream scenarios, dream case, putting that out there to the world. But I just think we have to be clear when we're kind of putting that out there because I'll, way too many projects just put things like merch store or metaverse land on their roadmap or including in their utility. And uh, I don't believe that's good enough anymore, especially for the amount of money that we are asking uh, you know, people to uh, you know, spend when it comes to uh, NFTs. And so that's why I think when we think about roadmap, we do have to kind of dial this into three months, six months, 12 months, and even five years. What does all of that look like? And I know that can be a little bit overwhelming. And I think it's just important to, not only when we define these aspects of the roadmap, but define the variables that need to happen for these things to be achieved, right? Because if you just put out there, like these are the things we're gonna do in three months, six months, 12 months, and you don't give us any more context, when it three months comes, we're gonna be like, what the hell? why why haven't you delivered? But if you if you explain, like, hey, you know, if Ethereum stays at this price and we're able to get this technology implemented in the blockchain and, and the smart contracts are be able to do this, this, and this, we're gonna be able to do this in three months. Well, when those things don't fall in line, now we can explain to people why things are pushed around or where things are going, and even why things get moved up, right? Like I will say, I sometimes get just as worried about a NFT project that moves things up on our roadmap as I do for projects that move things back on their roadmap. Because then I start to con- c- be concerned, well, what, is their sh- what, what, is, what is their reasoning for having this short-term like, need? Do they burn through their money too quickly? Are they looking for an escape plan? Are they moving on to something new soon and they want to just see what they can maximize? So all these things are things we definitely have to factor in, especially when it comes to, like, down to this roadmap side. The next part I wanted to kind of share or talk about was like the team, right? And we can argue about, you know, doxed team or undoxed team, uh, you know, for those that, you know, the doxed team is a team that is, uh, you know, their resume, they're, they're using their real names, uh, real links to their LinkedIn accounts and their bios versus an undoxed team that is using pseudonyms or um, aliases. And I understand a lot of that need comes from, you know, some people don't want their their job their full-time job to be aware of what they're doing in this space others are worried about tax implications um, and kind of how that fits others have a, a background that they don't want to um, limit or polarize their success and I'm a big believer that you know in giving second chances I'm a big believer in that this this world we're in now is should be in, empowering people to reinvent themselves but there also has to be this level of how are you conveying trust if you're not using your real name or your business or your your past experiences, and that that's going to require more work. And so, uh, like, I'm going to do an entire episode. Actually, I actually already have it outlined. Uh, I'm using Prezi video for for this uh, uh, outline that I've been building out on. If I was an undoxed team, right? So if I wanted to use a not you know uh, a pseudonym or alias, uh, you know, for my team for dropping an NFT project, I I kind of broke down the ten things that I would do so that i could actually build that trust that's an upcoming episode you got that we can you know kind of be aware of that's coming down the pipe so just kind of keep that in mind and so that also kind of falls into this idea of what are what is the nft you know like what is not only the founders commitment to success but as nft owners those that are minting an nft or buying the nft on secondary market what is the commitment and like, what is their, the time commitment as well as like the knowledge and the, the use cases for their NFT that is for the owner? I think a lot of projects are missing this. And for me, I'm getting a lot of the feedback that said, Brian, I love this project, but for me to get the true benefit of it, I have to do all of these things that I didn't know about and I just don't have the time for that or... I didn't realize that. And if I did, I would have probably only bought into that project, not bought into other projects. Or I would have you know, brought in a team to help me support that. Right? And I've jokingly said, like, I would hire somebody right now that could go through my NFT collection and my discords that are attached to them and just make sure that I'm not missing airdrops, make sure that I'm not missing uh, giveaways and things that are going on because it's impossible for me to keep up. I mean, absolutely impossible. And I think this is a massive place for innovation. If you are a project, if you are launching a project, if you can be very dialed in on what is the commitment level for each person that owns an NFT, and then even include, hey, if you're not going to be committed to use these things, these are ways you can also find value, right? It's very easy to say, we're adding a game and gamification, right? And we're hearing this, right, with Board Ape Yacht Club. They rolled out their, the their, you know, uh, game in the metaverse side. And a lot of people are, are kind of pushing back saying, you know, hey, not everyone got access or, hey, you're only rewarding those that can spend 30 hours a day, you know, th- 30 hours a day, 30 hours a week uh, playing that game. And what about us with, like, real jobs and us that are VCs or, you know, venture, you know, all of these people that are in this g- space, and I think that's an important piece, and we kind of have to factor in both sides, right? The person that's going to be active in Discord every single day, versus the person that loves your collection, loves the utility, but might only log into your Discord once a, a week at most. And I think most projects are missing this. Uh, I think a lot of projects just are saying like, "Hey, tough luck if you don't if you're not active in you know in participating, then we're just going to leave you out." And I think that's a miss. And when we open the doors for Coinbase NFT. We open the doors for, you know, going from 4 million NFT holders to 40 million NFT holders. This is no longer going to be a nice to have or a negotiation. It is going to be a, a mandatory aspect of, you know, putting out there, what is the owner's responsibility? What are the options for them to participate? And kind of uh, outlining that, you know, right out of the gate. Now, that also kind of falls into like the, this idea, you know, I love the preach. We are greater than me. And when you think about that, what are the partners and collaborations that an NFT project is going to explore? And then how are you going to market them to the world? And I will say the the Playboy Rabbitars, which, you know, I did an entire episode on their um, NFT launch, and I think they set the bar for a lot of brands. One of the things that I love about that project is that they have lots of partners and collaborations, right? They just launched one just the other day. Uh, they also, like, they've they've launched a merch collaboration with an artist where an artist designed a certain uh, sweatshirt, you know, a Playboy Rabbitar sweatshirt that was only available for certain people in the Discord. They launched a partnership just the other day with another NFT project that is actually kind of born in the Playboy Rabatar ecosystem. And I don't think a lot of projects are right now prepared for does a homegrown partnership or collaboration look like from inside of your community? Like, what if people are so engaged when they own your NFT that they connect, they come up with these great ideas, and they want to not only leverage that community, but they want to collaborate and expand the reach of your project? I don't believe a lot of projects have even thought of that. And if they have, it's more of like, yeah, just give me a giveaway, a couple whitelist spots, and I'll post it in my Discord. And once again, I don't think that's good enough. And I think we're going to see the ones that are willing to partner and collaborate and really expand beyond their individual doors and even facilitate some of that collaboration within their project. We're going to see those very successful. And I will tell you, I've added this to my criteria when I'm evaluating an NFT that we're buying every single day. One of the things I'm looking for is, How do they talk partnerships and collaboration? How are they looking at this from a standpoint of bringing in and making those things possible? Now, for some of you that might be like, oh, okay, well, that must mean, like how are they onboarding influencers and celebrities? And what I'm here to tell you is, no, I think those things are two different things, right? There's a difference between facilitating and empowering partnerships and collaborations versus onboarding influencers and celebrities. And then how do you connect that to, you know, the, the different projects that are available to collaborate with, as well as the movements that you want to be a part of. And I think there's one thing to be said if it's a influencer-led project, right? And we haven't seen a lot of those succeed. One thing to say if it's an artist that works with influencers and they're kind of you know, deploying, right? And that's like the in-betweeners, which is a project that I really love, which is you know the artist, uh, Gio, who is the artist that works with Justin Bieber and Snoop Dogg, like that artist launching his collection and Justin Bieber being a partner. And then we kind of have the other version where we're seeing a lot more of now where a lot of projects are really leaning in that they hope and they want celebrities to buy their NFT because we see more celebrities kind of aping in uh, to a lot of these projects. And I just will say, as a whole in the bigger picture of things, I think each of these have a role, but I think it can't be your sole focus to be like, Hey as a community let's get John Cena to get our NFT. because like I think the beauty of this happens when it is organic right I mentioned on the on the previous podcast episode when I uh, interviewed M from uh, Crypto Chicks you know the fact that Eva Longoria found crypto chick's collection, loved it and purchased it, posted on our Twitter account and our Instagram for me had so much more cliche and so much more value and really just so much more. Uh, like beautiful serendipity than if it, the project was building a bunch of one-offs to get on that person's att- uh, radar. And then that person, you know, that celebrity um, endorsed the project because they were, you know, were given a uh, a one-of-one or whatever it may be. And I don't think there's a bad thing with that. I just think we have to like look at all of those and see where they fit into like our individual projects, uh, mission, our purpose, our, our our passion and our success. The other part of this is, if, your project, if a project has social good components to it or donating to a charity or helping to rescue cheetahs from the endangered species list, which is the Coalition Crew uh, NFT project. And I love what the Coalition Crew project is doing. We minted that in our, in our uh, Mint 365 uh, collection and they just sold out of their, uh, their next round uh, just the other day. And, but I will say the other part of that is if you have a movement and a social good component, who are the influencers in that space that you can work with, right? It's, it's one thing to work with, uh, you know, NFT influencers. It's one thing to work with celebrities with big names that are getting into NFTs, but it's also another thing to work with people that are aligned with your purpose and your passion. I would argue when you find those, you know, influential or those, you know, na- those that have a name that are aligned with your purpose, they're going to have more of an impact on the culture and the community of your NFT project than it would be if you brought in a giant big name, right? And I think that's a, that's a big one that we just kind of have to, to think about and wrap our head around, right? The difference between, let's just say, The Rock, jumping into a project because someone made it one-on-one of it or he just heard about it, or a project that is aligned with the Rock's foundation and what he's been building all this time and a project that kind of like, hey, we align with you, Rock, and this is someone we want to bring in, right? And so definitely something to kind of think about and kind of wrap our heads around when it comes to these NFT projects. The last part here on when it comes to that, just like the breaking down of these segments. And I have a couple more uh, places I want to take this conversation is this idea of the futurist mindset, right? I, I am a digital futurist. That's kind of like what my role or job is. And one of the things we have to think about is, you know, what is the education of, of, edu- you know, I think education needs to be the number one priority before marketing. Uh, and I probably should have said that earlier on in this podcast, but I'm, I'm going to say it right now. Right. I think, education is the greatest form of marketing that you could have. But I also think we have to think of beyond individual NFTs to what are, what are ways that we can customize, personalize? Uh, you know, Playboy allowed us to put our Playboy Rabbitar on the front cover of Playboy magazine. Um, one of the, the very first project I ever received, Blaze Cats. Uh, Blaze Cats allowed us to customize it for Halloween, allowed us to customize our NFT for Christmas. Uh, you know, some of the other projects are giving you an, an AR component and a metaverse component, as well as the NFT art. And so we have to think beyond just the current blockchain, beyond just the Discord, and beyond just education about NFTs as a whole, it has to be continual education, right? And I think most companies and brands get this wrong, right? It's why, you know, workplace environment has never really been, you know, pushing the, the innovation like it should, right? We, we should, it's, you know, having, you know, a, a safe work environment is not an education that happens just when an employee starts at the company, It's something that is continually hit home and reiterated and educated on every day, every week, every month within a company. And that's the same within these NFT projects. And I think a lot of projects, you know, I hate to call it out like this, but they'll be like, you know what? I I taught people how to get a MetaMask, I taught them how to mint their NFT. And I have a, you know, an intro video to discord. My education checkbox is done. And what I'm here to tell you is, um, that's uh, education 101. But if you want to take your project to a blue chip to the next level, that education must not only continue, but you must double down on educating. Um, you know, if tokenomics are something you want to deploy, you need to start educating on tokenomics months. Before you deploy the token, if you're going to, you know, if you're going to incorporate metaverse and you're going to buy land in the metaverse, how are you educating people on what land is valuable? What metaverse platforms are they playing in? Where can, where do they need to be looking at to to investing their money? And I I will tell you, this is a little frustrating for me because there's a project that I really love and they didn't give us enough of a education on this, the, the actual metaverse uh, platform that they're using. And whenever I jumped on there, I realized that I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have the right setup or settings to do what I wanted to do in the metaverse, even though I had bought the NFT and I really, it might be the metaverse's platforms problem, but that NFT took me to that platform. And so that NFT's job in marketing is to educate me and kind of bring me on that journey. So definitely something we have to factor in. This one is kind of my current pet peeve. NFT communication. This is where it's lacking, my friends. It's lacking, and just having daily Twitter Spaces is not enough. Just having announcements in your Discord is not enough. How are you using email marketing? How are you using? What is your you know uh, crisis management education? I will tell you. You know, I I, I mentioned crypto chicks. Uh, yesterday's episode uh, about they had you know they had an issue with their Discord and they had a um a hack you know for no better terms. The way they handled that issue was world class to the point where I'm gonna reach back out to the team and see if they can come on for like a half of an episode to talk about the how they crisis managed that because they put out alerts, they reached out to all the individuals, they reached out to me, and so Brian, can you share with your audience and within your Discords? for people not to click on crypto chicks links because we we are trying to mitigate um, an issue that we have in our discord right now. Other NFT projects tried to hide it and be like, Hey, don't let anyone outside of our discord. know we just got, we just got hacked. We don't want anyone to know. And all of a sudden everyone's getting screwed and there's no way to to mass educate people, right? Like how are you going to reach or have you thought about how do I reach the holder of every NFT of mine And let's face it, that's a hard task because it's not just about getting people to sign up when they buy an NFT, but... People are gonna, you know, buy an NFT, sell an NFT, have more than one NFTs, get rid of their NFTs. So that idea of like mass communication, I think we still have to figure out how we innovate, on, you know, in that side. And that includes like the owner's responsibility in that notification, right? Like, if are you gonna use SMS notifications? Are you going to be be respectful of my time and only use like the at everyone tag? in the discord when something is vital, or are you going to use that every single day? Because if you're going to use it every day and then you get hacked and you use the at everyone tag, I'm like, okay, it's just another update, right? It's like crying wolf, right? We we don't want that to be a scenario. And then I also think this goes into when the obligations of founders, uh, you know, those that are are buying an NFT, as those increase, we also have to prepare people for them, right? It's so, so crazy for me to think that we want people to spend like we're ramping up to something and, and, and you know a great example would be you know hey we're going to do a poker tournament this weekend and we want you know we want our, our nft holders um to to participate in it like how much lead time do you give people to take off and i know you might say like well it's their loss if they don't show up but if you really care about every holder of your nft collection you should be doing everything in your power to make sure that they continue to see the value because even when they sell an NFT, some of the projects that are no longer in my bag, I would say I ever, I market for them better than I do for the other projects because I knew that I wasn't you know paying attention enough in the space, but I understood so much about the value that I could talk about it with everyone. And that's definitely something that we have to kind of factor in and think about. One of the last parts here is that, you know, I mentioned emotional marketing earlier And one of the things that we have to really be careful with is there is a difference between hyping and FOMO enabling versus purpose empowering and being passionate about your community and the things you're going on. And right now, it's a little bit like, no, it's a lot bit gray area where people are are saying, hey, we should retweet and follow every person that uses this hashtag in our community. And I'm all for that. But we have to be careful on linking that to like the value and like even alienating everyone in our feed right because if i'm sharing every post from one community into my twitter you know audience how many people are going to unfollow me that might be in the future a great person for that project but they never get the chance because they're just inundated with giveaway tweets or promotional tweets talking about how awesome this one community is without any context to it i think it's about like understanding those different roles and passions and then enabling them where it makes sense. And I also think this is where not over-hyping things, but conveying things with passion. And I will tell you one of the ways to do that. Here's a little secret. This is a little secret for everybody listening. If you focus on educating people on why you're passionate about something, it'll never come across as hype or as like, yo, 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 look at me. But if you focus only on the thing you want people to pay attention to and not on the why and not on the education, it'll come across as bragging and overhype. And right now, a lot of projects come across as bragging and overhype when I know at their heart, they just want to convey their why and their passion. And so this is that, that difference between self-promotion and celebrating your wins. It's the difference between rubbing your, your first place trophy in, in people's faces and being your own greatest cheerleader. And I think we really have to kind of take that into account. The other part of this is marketing and education of an NFT project is not something you just do before launch or on mint day or the first week after mint. You need to do it pre-launch. You need to do it around the date that you launch, when you launch your mint dates. You need to do it around the countdown to the day that you're minting. You need to do it about the mint, the day of minting. You Then you also have to factor in the reveal day when you're going to reveal the art. And then for each utility launch, for each milestone, and then for each upcoming project. It's so amazing to me that some projects do such a great job marketing up to the mint day. But then they make you wait a week before they reveal the art. And the only way you know about it is there's this one tweet. Like, art is available today. Refresh your metadata. You got me so excited on this journey. Then you made me wait seven days and then you act as if it was like a passive experience, right? And then it's like, wah, wah. Like, no wonder there's a dip there, right? And that includes with when you launch a new utility or you add to your roadmap, like there should be marketing around that, right? How are you bringing that to life? What is your go-to-market strategy? What is your education strategy? What is your comm strategy to educate people outside of your project on that, right? So many people are like, Brian, I my our roadmap town hall in our Discord was amazing. I was like, that's awesome. It, it probably amplified... Know, all of your holders. And they're like, oh no, this is gonna get a whole bunch of new holders of our NFT into our into our community. And I'm like, oh yeah? Um how are they gonna find out about that uh roadmap of yours? Uh the recording of it's in our Discord? Oh. So they have to be already motivated into your Discord. They have to know how to look for that. And then they have to take the time to uh actually consume that uh and not be afraid that it's already out of date because they weren't part of it. Like how are we educating the masses while also empowering the holders and that's not an easy task but it's definitely something that we kind of have to factor in um, as a whole. Now I teased this a little bit earlier that I was gonna make a bold prediction around the future of NFTs and my bold prediction is that right now technology experience has not got much uh, you know love or value from NFT holders. I believe some of the most innovative, most technology-driven projects right now have a ridiculously low floor. And I mean, some of them are like 0.1 when I know they've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on the technology and the technology is not just vanity. It has some really massive utility. But funny enough, a lot of the projects with the best technology have not got a lot of love, but I believe that's going to change. I believe as we get more people into this space... And we start to look at things like, you know, having an AR app, having, you know, what are the mechanics for someone that wants to stake their NFT? What does the experience look like when someone, you know, drinks the serum and has version two of the NFT? Like, what are all the technology pieces of that? And I believe there are some really great projects that have not got enough love yet and they will soon. And when they do, you're going to regret not getting in on them when they're point one or point two. Uh One of them is the Chibi Labs team. I, you know, I had um, you know Spasta and the team on the podcast. I believe Chibi Labs and their entire project is massively underrated um you know another project uh the bubblegum kids i think bubblegum kids is another one that has done an amazing job with integrating like technology and evolution of their of their project and their art um and hasn't got you know the love that they probably will get very soon um i also think you know once i mentioned blaze cats earlier the way that they use metadata and the way that they're they've really incorporated their project you know like their their nft collection is is barely alive at the moment but I would argue the way that they leverage their tech and the experience they create is first class. And a lot of people aren't aware of that. And also, you know, Giraffe Tower with my good buddy Gary Henderson. That's another one that already has staking and tokenomics. And you can take two giraffes and make a baby and have a baby giraffe as, a, as another NFT, as a reward for holding more than one. Uh, and most NFT projects are talking about doing that. That project is doing it right now and it hasn't even minted out yet. You can still get in on that project on the ground floor. So these are the things you're going to want to be aware of. If anything, jump in the projects that are already doing these things to educate yourself. So when other projects that you love are implementing it as well, you're on the forward front leading spot of that, which I think can be really massively a big advantage. So with all that being said, Uh, You know, hopefully I gave you some ideas both as a collector when you're looking at the marketing and then as a project owner or project launcher or maybe an advisor, maybe I know a lot of you are consulting with different NFT projects right now. You know, just I I think there's so much place for innovation. And I do think it's important to study what people have done before us in the NFT space. But I would also argue study what other great startups did to launch without not in the NFT space. Study great, um, you know, Let's say great uh, online courses that have launched. What you know? What has uh, you know Amy Porterfield done? Uh, you know, in her success of, dr- of delivering online courses, and how can we take those marketing strategies and incorporate them into NFTs? You know, I challenge you to look at you know Gary V's when not Gary V's NFTs. Look at his book launch strategy when he had a book launch team on Facebook that I was a part of way back in 2015. Look at those, some of those mechanics within book launches. How can we implement that here in the NFT space? And even, you know, how do people launch YouTube channels and do that in ways that that are innovative? And with that being said, I also think, and I'll kind of wrap it with this, I believe NFT projects are going to have to embrace video because right now they're not. For the most part, they're only using social audio with Twitter Spaces, Clubhouse, and Discord audio. Yes, some of the educators, some of the projects do have a YouTube channel, but they haven't fully embraced video. And even for this podcast, right? We've stuck audio. We do have a YouTube channel with a lot of the videos that I've created, but my guest spots, the guests that I've had on, I've been interviewing them on Twitter spaces because it's a little bit easier thing to uh, manage, but we are going to be start adding video aspects into um, you know, this delivery because video is a show, not just a tell medium, Right. And for those that are watching the video of this podcast episode, right? I I have overlays on the screen for each one of these topics. And I have a visual and sometimes I use NFTs. And it's because it's a show medium, not just a tell medium. And everyone learns differently, everyone consumes marketing differently. And right now we seem to be very isolated in how we're delivering that, how we're executing on that um, in our in this entire NFT space. And that's where I'm excited. I believe the innovation that is available before us when it comes to NFT projects for marketing, for communication, for education. I mean, we are, we are at the ground floor, my friends. If you're launching an NFT project and you're worried about selling it out, you're worrying about standing out from the noise, double down on education. Double down on innovating on how you're going to communicate with your holders and double down on how you're going to rethink your marketing strategy, to creating that overarching experience. I believe that's the most exciting part in the space, and hopefully you guys agree with me. As always, thanks so much for tuning in to NFT365. Shout out to our sponsor, CEX, the Creator Economy Expo. It is happening May 2nd in Phoenix, Arizona. Get yourself one of those never-ending tickets over at mint.cex.events. And remember, this podcast is super powered by the ADHD coin over at Rally. Get yourself an ADHD coin. Join us in the Discord. All those links are in the bio. Until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. The show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.